This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. They're dogs, and they're playing poker! Ah! <laughs> Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today on this crazy holiday calendar I've got right here, it's, um, let me see, oh, hey, it's, it's National Rescue Dog Day. Boy, not a moment too soon, because we desperately need a dog down here. This cat just sits here staring at me, which is oddly both gratifying and a little creepy. While I work on rescuing dogs here to help rescue your Memorial Day weekend, let's welcome the geeky chef herself, Cassandra Reeder. What better way to celebrate Memorial Day than to create recipes from your favorite movies, TV shows, and video games? Plus, what role should gold play in your investment mix? We'll ask State Street Global Advisors Chief Gold Strategist, George Milling Stanley. We'll share details during our headline segment. And of course, we'll also toss out the Haven Lifeline to a listener. And don't forget, I'll crown this podcast with some of my amazing trivia. And now, two guys who don't need help learning to be any geekier. No, oh, they got that nailed. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I can't believe Doug even saw me over here with my invisibility cloak. And my plus four sword of podcasting. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Wednesday on the Stacky Benjamin Show. It is our Memorial Day lead up week. I'm so super excited that we're doing that. I'm super excited about today's show. And I'm super duper duper excited that the level 17 magic user on this podcast, Mr. <laughs> OG, joins us. Hold on, let me get my Pokemon cards out. No, trading, no, no, no. Pokemon trading cards. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was talking D&D. There's a line there, pal. We don't go, we're nerdy, but not that nerdy. Come on. Okay. No, I don't know. I, I have no did. idea what you're talking about. I this, never so. did Pokemon cards. How are you? Perfect. You know, it is kind of sort of the last real thing that I have to do before I'm going to take a few days off. This is going to be an extended, extended vacation. 
I'm taking five days off. I'm unplugging my phone and, uh, well, I won't unplug my phone cause I don't have anything to do. So that would be stupid, but I'll probably answer my phone if anybody calls. So, so basically no vacation, but I'm going to pretend it is. That's what I'm going to pretend. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> In your head. In my head, I'll be on vacation. <laughs> yes. The family circling around you, they're like, what's wrong with dad? Oh, he's on vacation. That's where that's In-laws smile. are in town. All sorts of fun stuff. Living the dream. Living the dream. And this is, by the way, not only Dog Rescue Day, but it's also the last day, as you know, that we're recording in the basement in Detroit. So, Yeah, it's hard to pack up a basement. My my mother-in-law texted, they're, they're traveling from Michigan. And she said, hey, I saw that if we are coming from Michigan to your home in Texas, the Texas thing says you have to quarantine for 14 days. So does that mean that I have to stay at your house for 14 days? And I sent her back and I said, well, that only applies to folks that are from Detroit. So you can leave whenever you want. Is that Southern hospitality at work? Is that what that is? <laughs> Bless your heart. Yes. And hey, if you want to rent some other in-laws, head to Fiverr. Big thanks to survive. Big thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacky Benjamins. You don't go into uh, you don't go into Fiverr OG when you're looking for freelance talent and go, uh, I need somebody to pretend like they're the quarantine police to kick my to kick my in-laws out. That would be good. Woo. What if you could hire them on Fiverr? Hello, sir. It is, uh, it's been reported that you are harboring people from Michigan. <laughs> they must be removed. I need that would to actually check. be a really good prank to pull. I should think about that a little bit. I have met your in-laws. I wonder if they'd go for it. They would. I'll tell a story about their pranksterness later, maybe. That's great. A big thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacky Benjamin. So easy to find freelance talent for your business or product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off in the service you deserve by going to FIVERR.com and use code SB. We've got a great show today as we lead into Memorial Day. As long as we're at home watching movies, OG, we might as well have food that fits those movies, TV shows, and video games. Cassandra Reader is the geeky chef joining us going to be some fun grocery shopping happening for a lot of us for this upcoming holiday weekend. But first, we've got some headlines, so let's get moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our first headline comes to us from the CNBC Make It blog. This is written by Alicia Adamzik. You can now use your FSA or HSA funds for over-the-counter medications and feminine care products. I'll use mine for over-the-counter medications. Yeah, I was going to say, the two of us, we are not experts in feminine products, but this expansion, OG, as part of uh, some of the changes in the rules this year, something I think people really need to know about. Alicia writes, if you have a health savings account or a flexible spending account, you can now use them for more qualified expenses than in years past. Thanks to the CARES Act, Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security, you can use your FSA or HSA funds to buy over-the-counter medications without a prescription like Tylenol and other pain relievers, heartburn medication, allergy relief, and more. For the first time since 2011, you can also use your funds for feminine care products, including tampons, pads, liners, cuffs, sponges, for the first time. Today, take a few minutes to take stock of the medical supplies you need, any medical bills you have to pay, and how much you have and will contribute to your FSA or HSA this year. These accounts let use pre-tax dollars on medical costs. I think there's a line here, OG. The reason I wanted to bring this up was, number one, the rules are changing. And you and I have talked a lot lately about staying abreast of what's happening. But I also think that um, 
there's a difference here between using your FSA money and your HSA money. Like I think if you've the opportunity to maybe put some more money in your FSA and take advantage of getting these types of things tax-free, that's great. But I also think using them for the HSA might be a mistake. What do you think? Well, it really just boils down to when the money expires. An HSA, the money stays in there forever. And that was the big myth when these things came out years ago was everybody thought it was the same thing as an FSA. In a flexible spending account or an FSA, it's use it or lose it. So you have to predict in advance what your spending is going to be for out-of-pocket medical costs. In this case, there's more uh, opportunities to use it. And then by the end of January, the year after, you have to submit all of your reimbursements to your FSA provider so that they can reimburse you from last year's pool. If you don't have enough reimbursements, you kind of lose the money. And that was the trade-off. It's pretty stupid from a legislative standpoint. I can't believe that they would you know, put that in there as a rule like, hey, on January, you have to guess how much health care costs you're going to need by December. You know, it just seems pretty impossible. But anyways, so if you have both FSA, HSA, and you have an opportunity to spend one of them, well, you're always going to spend the FSA first, right? That's kind of the no brainer. I like the idea of holding on to the HSA money for a really long time because you can invest it and take the money out tax-free later. So if you can, if you can avoid using your HSA, I would. Assuming you can buy all these things later, think about it this way, guys. You can use the interest on the money that you earn by holding onto it. Use the interest on the money you earn to buy these things. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, good way to think about it. And in our second headline today, also from CNBC, by the way, uh, last week, early last week, gold rose on expectations of more stimulus from the U.S. Federal Reserve. Uh, the piece reads to support an economy battered by coronavirus induced restrictions while an easing dollar lent further support. The Fed is going to start buying bond exchange traded funds for the first time ever, says Michael Matusek, head trader of U.S. Global Investors. This is big, Michael says. Here's more stimulus coming to the table, and everybody knows when there's more stimulus, you want to own more gold. Well, we wondered about that. We wondered what this all meant. And so we got on Dad shortwave today, George Milling Stanley, who's chief gold strategist at State Street Global Advisors. George, thanks for joining us, man. Joe, thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here. Well, well, tell me, you've got to be the busiest man in America right now with gold prices being what everybody's talking about. But this idea that stimulus coming and we want to own more gold, what are they referring to here? I'm not sure that I'm entirely agreeing with them. Let me, let me take issue with a couple of things in that clip that you read. I think what we've seen so far is rescue packages rather than stimulus packages. I don't think the economy is really moving right now, so you can't stimulate something that's not moving, except maybe with CPR. I think that the stimulus packages are still to come, and they will come once we've started to see the results of this partial, very incremental, very gradual reopening of the economy that we're trying to do at varying different rates all over different parts of the country. So there's that. I think that what we've seen so far in terms of Fed and Treasury activity has essentially gone to the benefit of the stock market rather than to the underlying economy. And I think that what uh, COVID-19 has done so far this year, at any rate, it has highlighted and focused attention on that strange disconnect between the stock market and the underlying economy. Most people think the stock market reflects activity in the underlying economy, but you can tell that's not true. Stocks are on a tear and the economy is in tatters. 
And yet we're seeing people now loading up on gold. Are you somebody that advocates that phrase, loading up on gold at any time? I think that it is always smart for people to have a strategic allocation to gold. And there might also be people who are savvy enough and nimble enough to occasionally play a tactical game as well. But I think gold's benefits principally are as a strategic allocation long term. It's been demonstrated that a, a small allocation to gold within the context of a properly balanced investment portfolio can improve the sharp ratio of the whole portfolio. That's really um, where I'm coming from. So I wouldn't call it necessarily loading up. And that carries the implication that what you're talking about is speculative activity, tactical activity. As I say, I think gold's benefits lie in its role as a long-term strategic asset. I want to identify, you and I know what a sharp ratio is, but most of our audience doesn't, George. Can you just explain what that means by improving the sharp ratio? Well, essentially, what our research has demonstrated is that a small allocation to gold can help to um, reduce the risk of the overall portfolio and can help to increase the returns from the whole portfolio. In, in reducing risk and improving returns, that means that you're improving the Sharpe ratio. The Sharpe ratio is the ratio between risk and return. Just looking at returns is a total waste of time. And just looking at risk would only make people nervous. But what you want to be looking at is risk-adjusted returns. That's what the sharp ratio equals. It's funny, back when I was a financial planner, George, and I haven't been a financial planner for a number of years, but when I was a financial planner, of course, we'd use the efficient frontier when we would put together portfolios. And I was always amazed about what you are saying right now, which is that if we didn't include gold or precious metals in general in a portfolio, we get, you know, to put it uh, non-jargonish, a more wiggle and man, just like a little bit of pepper in your chili, if we put just a little bit of gold or a little precious metal into your portfolio, I found the returns were more even and, and we saw a little more upside. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And that's what our researchers have shown as well. As far as the volatility is concerned, the price drivers of gold are generally very, very different from the price drivers of corporate performance and therefore of the stock market. And they're often very different, sometimes similar, but often very different from the drivers of the dollar or of the bond market, if you like to put it that way. So you have different kinds of risk with gold. And what you are doing, given that these, these risks often contradict one another, that by increasing an allocation to gold or establishing an allocation to gold, you're basically getting a different risk profile in the whole portfolio. I think the strategic case is really based on four things, Joe, if I can talk about this. People talk about gold as not having a yield. Well, I accept it doesn't have a coupon or a dividend, but it does have a return in the form of capital appreciation. I tend to start most analysis of the gold market back in 1971 not because that's when I first wrote about it, that would be narcissistic, but because that's when President Nixon actually created the free market in gold for the first time ever by ending the automatic right of foreign governments to exchange their dollars for gold. We've had a free market for almost 50 years, and over that period, on a compound annual growth rate basis, gold has returned seven and three quarter percent a year. That's not too shabby for an asset that so-called doesn't have a yield. 
The other thing, I talked about different kinds of risk. Essentially, gold does not have a strong relationship to anything else in a typical portfolio, not stocks and bonds, not real estate, not commodities, not hedge funds. So it's offering you a level of diversification. It's spreading your risk. It's spreading your return. Gold's also a liquid market. Estimates of daily turnover in the global gold market range between $150 and $200 billion a day, which ain't too shabby. And the last piece, the final piece that I like best on gold, it has thousands of years of a track record as offering some protection against the unexpected, whether your unexpected incident or whether your tail risk, as economists like to call it, whether it's macroeconomic or geopolitical in nature. That's really, I think, the crucial argument. The literature suggests anywhere from 2 to 10% can be beneficial, but the literature also says if you are in a time of unexpected turbulence in markets or you're anticipating unexpected turbulence, it can make sound sense to double your allocation. Where you fit on that spectrum uh, depends entirely on the nature of the individual investor because no two investors are really alike. People have different liquidity needs. People have different needs for income. People have different risk tolerances and so forth. So that's up to uh, an investor to discuss with his or her financial advisor. To your point, George, we had a sliding scale and it was all based on how soon you needed the money, what the goal was overall, uh, when you're taking money from the portfolio, that type of thing. My last question is around is around how to buy it, because you talk about unexpected things coming up. Should I buy gold bars and keep them in mom's basement or am I looking at maybe something on an exchange? I think the most liquid way to own gold is probably with a gold-backed ETF, a physically-backed gold ETF like the GLD product that State Street markets. That essentially is trading a very narrow spread between the bid and the ask because it's a very, very liquid product. It's got almost $60 billion worth of shares outstanding, and it's got almost $60 billion worth of gold sitting in a vault to back up those shares. There's no cash, there's no derivatives involved, because that's the only way that you can avoid the bane of any exchange-traded fund, which would be tracking error. If you only own the underlying, then you are going to track the price of the underlying exactly, and that's precisely what GLD does. So I think that that's probably the optimal way for people to be looking at, especially in times like today when liquidity can be an issue. But boy, and I and I also worry, George, about people keeping uh, valuables in their house. You always hear about that going bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a good idea whether you bury them, your gold coins in a sock in the backyard, right. and hope that your neighbor's not looking over the fence, and hope that you remember where you buried them when you need them. <laughs> Dealing with the gold exchange traded fund is very simple and very cost effective. And that's why it's accumulated, uh, you know, that's why these gold ETFs have accumulated so much. GLD is up $10 billion net in the year to date in terms of new creations. And as I say, it's at almost a $60 billion fund right now. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty creditable performance. Yeah, well, it is a very, very safe place, especially versus, as we were talking about, being out in the backyard. George, thanks a ton for hanging out with us and talking gold for a minute. Is there a place that you have, uh, State Street-wise, a, a URL that we can send people to where they maybe can get more information? I think probably the easiest place to get information about GLD and GLDM, the smaller product, the mini product, is at spidergoldshares.com. 
That's a website that contains a wealth of information, including a list that is updated every single day of all of the thousands of gold bars that actually back the GLD shares in issue and contains a lot of very, very good investment research from our partners in this product, the World Gold Council. So spidergoldshares.com, spdrgoldshares.com is probably the best place to get your information. Awesome. And if you're out on the jog or walking your dog, I used to say commuting to work, George, but that was in the old days. We don't say that anymore. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a link on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. George, thanks a ton again for teaching us a little bit about gold. I appreciate it. Joe, thank you very much for the opportunity. I enjoyed talking with you. I look forward to doing it again sometime. Big thanks to George for stopping by. Oh, gee, I love what George says here about not loading up on gold, but like a little pepper and a chili can... Uh, a little jalapeno in your uh, yeah in your salsa. Yeah. Really spice it up a little bit. Well, that's a diversifying effect. And unlike what most people say about any investment, everybody thinks it's all or nothing. You know, we talk to people who are hell-bent on making sure real estate's the driver of your retirement portfolio. It's like, that's a good area. It's probably not the only area. I've had know? people online accuse you and I of being anti-gold, anti, you know, partially because we just like making fun of Len Penzo on Friday. For people, <laughs> well, for people new to the show, Len is a great contributor, super smart guy, but he is all about <laughs> the doom and gloom and precious metal stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, he is. But we just think it's fun to mess with him. We're, though, seriously, OG, I think you and I are more like George, that using something like this and knowing how it works in your portfolio and knowing how it's different in your portfolio, just a little bit of knowledge, it doesn't take a lot to learn this stuff, can go a long way. Just a little diversification goes a long way. I like I like the way that you put that. We should uh, trademark that. Yeah, a little, TM. A little TM goes a long way. T1, T T TM. TM. A little goes a long way. TM. A line like that would be like trademarking the word goodbye. <laughs> TM. <laughs> goodbye, TM. Uh, you owe me five bucks. Why? Because you just said goodbye to me. Sorry. That's my. We have to do it in a different font, though. <laughs> if you take a word and put it in a different font, then you're more likely to. Well, but that's the written word. If you want to make the big money, you got to get this. Yeah, you got to get it like that. TM. The, right. The spoken word. So if you say it a certain way. No, I'm sorry. That's ours. We own that. That's ours. TM. Yeah. yeah. TM. I think that's lesson one. Trademark everything. You'll make a bajillion dollars. put TM extra after everything, for yes. sure. I do think, though, a little goes a long way is a nice uh, uh, way TM. to talk about gold. And then I think our second takeaway would be the flex spending account. Maybe there's an opportunity here to get some things without paying tax on them this year that you couldn't get last year. Well, as a geek myself, I'm super excited about our next guest. Uh, those of you that have been with us for a while know that whenever we come up to a big holiday weekend, like Labor Day, or in this case, Memorial Day, OG and I love talking about food. There's nothing more fun on a three-day weekend than thinking about food. Five. And what is, oh, for you, that's right. Five-day weekend, sorry. Uh, for the rest of us three, for OG, 11-day weekend. <laughs> We, I've earned it. Cassandra Reader is one of my favorite people. We uh, started following the Geeky Chef a few years ago, and she's just fascinating how she watches movies, 
plays video games, sees TV shows, and she sees these things that people eat on these TV shows or things they drink, and she dreams up what that would really taste like, and it's been a part of her blog. Well, of course, now there's a cookbook, there's a bartender guide, but we don't need any of those things, OG, because Cassandra Reader is going to help you come up with a geeky Memorial Day meal. Let's say hello to Cassandra Reader. And here she is on my dad's shortwave. It's our new friend. The geeky chef herself is here, Cassandra Reader. How are you? I'm great. I am so happy to meet you. And I'm wondering this, you know, uh, so for me, I have, uh, I like to listen to video game podcasts. I don't get to play video games as much as I'd like to, but I'm picking up a controller a little more often than I used to with coronavirus because I'm at home so much. I'm playing more right. board games than I usually do. I'm known for playing board games, so that's not new. I'm watching more Netflix, more stuff on TV. I'm wondering, what does the Geeky Chef do during a coronavirus outbreak? Me and my husband have been playing Resident Evil 7 in our free time. Ah, That's what we've been doing. <laughs> I heard that is incredibly scary. Is that true? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, really scary. And we're we're accustomed to scary games. It's kind of our thing where we did the whole Silent Hill franchise. We did all of the other Resident Evils and anything you could think of. But this one's pretty good. Yeah, it's got me freaked out. How far along are you? We're towards the end. At least I feel like that cinematically. Yeah, it seems yeah. like it's near the end. <laughs> it's it's got to be fun having a husband, too, that you can play geeky games with. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how spouses who don't both play video games function, honestly. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> We're both addicted. And then TV-wise, what are you guys watching now? Um, We're doing a rewatch of Breaking Bad, and we're also watching Westworld. I have never watched Westworld, and it's a series that everybody tells me that I would love. It's really breathtaking, uh, especially the first season was just really strong. Um, and I have like a sort of penchant for artificial intelligence stories. So it's really cool that way. That just reminds me of that movie that came out a few years ago where the guy goes into the mountains, Cassandra, and they're making like a machine. They're making a he's 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 making he's Ex a machina. Yes. Yes. That's scary. Talk about scary. That was a very intense movie. Yeah. Is, isn't Westworld kind of like that little bit of Ex Machina meets uh, Battlestar Galactica, where you've got yes. people who are AI, but they don't know. Do, do they know they're AI or not? They do not. And it's got a little bit of, um, it is Michael Crichton, uh, originally a film. And so it's got a lot of Jurassic Park in it too, ah. actually. I read something recently that Battlestar Galactica is getting a reboot. By the way, I don't know if you saw that. I did not. Yeah, how about That's that? interesting. Another reboot. <laughs> I know, right? And then <laughs> a reboot of the reboot, right? Yeah. How did you get your start when it came to combining geekery and cooking? Because I'm just imagining you one day going, you know what? I keep seeing all these awesome recipes. Somebody should put these two together. Did it start with the website? Yeah, then that's almost exactly how it went down. I was playing Legend of Zelda uh, Twilight Princess. And in that, there's a, a soup that I was like, there's got to be a recipe online. And there was not. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> this I've been doing this sort of thing my whole life. So I think I'm the person to start this. <laughs> and that's what I did. That's really cool. When it comes to food, you know, there are a lot of people listening that two months ago had no interest in cooking that today are intensely interested because they're home all the time and they're sick of eating the same thing over and over. When did your love affair with food start? 
Oh, uh, very, very early. And it's kind of a familial passed down generational thing where everyone was always cooking. So it was uh, right from the start. I would say my first fictional recipe I made and I made my brother help me when I was about five or so was the tree star from Land Before Time. We, we made a little like tree star cookie. <laughs> That's that, awesome. was, that was my start. And did it taste good? <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> yeah, nothing to write home more about. about the look. Well, you have something in here too, that looks really cool from Serenity. You've got a, like the bar that there was a commercial for, I noticed, and it's all these different colors. You use like food coloring to make this cool oat bar. Do you just, do you sit when you watch these movies or these TV shows like Firefly and just look for food? I do. Yeah. I mean, especially since I started Geeky Chef, I watch things in a very different way now where I'm like, oh, can I make a recipe for that? It's got to be. I'm very vigilant. Well, and it's got to be wild now that Star Wars or excuse me, that Disney has their new Star Wars land open. I would think that you had the blue milk recipe before they did. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. And you you should get a royalty beer before (laughs) that happens. Oh, did you really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think if I were your agent, I'm just saying I might collect a royalty or two. You could make out well there. (laughs) You have been nice enough to help us with Memorial Day coming up this weekend. So for everybody who is a geek out there and likes food, uh, what should we be making today to combine the two? So I wanted to do sort of a Memorial Day appropriate menu. So the first thing we are going to do is the Big Kahuna Burger from Pulp Fiction. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, is that because there is a company that already makes the Royale with cheese? Is that why? (laughs) It's possible that (laughs) might have something to do with it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the Big Kahuna. I shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have had you talk to me while while I'm starving. But, uh, But let's talk about the Big Kahuna. How do we make it? Okay. You're going to need a pound of ground beef. 10 slices of bacon and you got to cook it real crispy. Oh my. I know. I'm so sorry. And then half a red onion minced, uh, one egg, 20 ounces of canned crushed pineapple. And you want to drain that. So it's just kind of pineapples and no juice. Plus uh, two tablespoons of breadcrumbs, salt and pepper to taste and teriyaki sauce to glaze. And one thing, Cassandra, that I really like about uh, what you write in your cookbook is all of those are suggestions. You're somebody that you said that whatever recipe calls for two cloves of garlic, you like putting in nine. Um, But all of this, like, don't get too don't get too overly critical about using those exact numbers. That's so correct. And I actually had to adjust my thinking when writing a cookbook because I'm very much like a just toss it in sort of person. So I had to think about things very differently. But yes, recipes are suggestions and you should always experiment with them. I love it because it makes it more fun. I'm a guy that used to always I would freak out if if I didn't follow the recipe to the T. And now I'm completely like you. And I also like I also, I don't know about you, but I like tasting this, some of the, I mean, not the raw burger, but a lot of the things, like if I don't know what the spice is, I like tasting yeah. it now. So I kind of know what it's going to do. Yes. That's very smart. And you should do that a lot. If you don't know what it's going to be like, if you don't know the texture or the taste, always taste it first before you use it. Unless, you know, it's raw. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> don't do, right. that. <laughs> do, do not do that. You didn't hear it here. Uh, all right. So I got my ingredients. Where do we go from here? Okay. So you want to heat up a grill, which you're going to be doing on Memorial Day, probably. <laughs> Or you can use a skillet too, if you don't have one. 
And then in a mixing bowl, you combine the ground beef, bacon, onion, eggs, the pineapple, breadcrumbs, and the salt and pepper, basically everything. So I've got the bacon. When I've got those 10 pieces of bacon, I've crunched them up like bacon bits now? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then out of all of that, you form six to eight patties from the mixture. It depends on how big your bun is. And then um, coat each patty with the teriyaki sauce. And then you grill or fry the patties on both sides to the desired doneness is what I said. So that's like up to you if you want it medium rare or, you know, if you're like it a little more burnt, you can do that as well. I was talking to I want to ask you about that because I, we were talking to Frankie Chalenza from Struggle Meals. I don't know if you know him for Labor Day last year. And he was talking about the two schools of thought when it comes to hamburgers, right? There's the flip it once and then there's flip it over and over and over. Which camp are you in? I'm someone who can't leave things alone, so I definitely flip more than once. I just like, I have to see what's going on on the other side, and I flip it over. Well, but it's interesting because he was a flip it over and over guy, too, where I had always heard before that, just flip it once. But he even said it's juicier when you flip it over and over and over. That's awesome. I just do it because I'm weird that way. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So now it's done. I put it on the bun. Well, before you do that, you want to glaze each one with more teriyaki because you want more of that sort of sweetness. Mm. And then you top it with a slice of cheese. So the cheese melts on it. And then you can start assembling your burger, essentially, however you like it. And you don't have to, you can do it whatever you like, but if you want it to look more like the movie, you kind of want to be very minimal because it's a very simple looking burger in the movie. And then at that point, I go turn on Pulp Fiction and uh, right. I watch uh, a bunch of people get killed. Why? Yeah. <laughs> why? why? Enjoying a tasty burger. Yes. Are you a fan <laughs> of Pulp Fiction? I am. I actually like Tarantino's work in general. Pulp Fiction, I would say, is one of my favorites. I also really loved Inglorious Bastards. I did too. What did you think about the new movie last year? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, that was <laughs> I know. that was one of my favorite movies. Not my favorite movie, but that was definitely in my top five of last year. So you're okay. gonna, yeah, you're gonna love it. It's okay. I'm excited. Or the same. And uh, Brad Pitt is incredible. You can see why he was up for best uh, supporting actor uh, for that. All right, but. You didn't stop there. That's the main event. What are we having with it? So we have a couple of drinks. The first one I'm going to do is Romulan Ale um, from Star Trek, and it's in most of the Star Trek series at one point or another. You'll know it as like the very brightly blue colored drink. (laughs) Which one are you a fan of more, Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, I'm I'm 100% a Trekkie, very much a Trekkie over uh, Star Wars. So have you already watched the new Picard? I have. Yeah. I haven't got, cause you know, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother platform getting the CBS platform, but worth it. Good. Who, uh, I don't want to get too much into it. Um, it's very good. I had some problems with it, but I mean, I was just so happy to see that crew again. Cause that as an eighties, nineties kid, that was my crew. That was my Star Trek crew. So it was so cool to see them all again. It's, it's gotta be then like a warm blanket for you. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, Star Trek uh, TNG especially is like my my comfort food sort of deal. If I'm upset, that's what I'm watching. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, How do we make it? So we have two ounces of overproof white rum, and that's going to be super strong. So if you want to do less than two ounces, that's also okay. Uh, You want one ounce of blue carousel or carousel. I think it's carousel. And then, uh, one half to one ounce of fresh lemon juice. 
um, some ice cubes and three ounces of chilled ginger beer. So I paid my way through college as a, you know, wedding DJ and doing these dances and stuff. And um, it was one of like three jobs I had, but we got this bar and nightclub magazine that just, I don't know how we got on the mailing list, but it was a free industry rag that came to my house. There was a drink in there called a blue motorcycle that sounds almost exactly like this, but I'll tell people, I'll tell people then assuming, assuming that it is very much the same. Here's where I think Romulan ale ends for me. My brother and I two o'clock in the morning, hugging and crying in the parking lot of the apartment (laughs) building that I lived in. And I have no idea why. <laughs> so 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 if you're partying like the Romulans, it could get a little could get a little weird, Cassandra. Yes. And we have to note that this drink gave Worf a hangover. And Worf is a Cleon, so that's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have have you served this at a party before? I have, yeah. It went over pretty well. Yeah. Um, and also similar things happened towards the end of things. It it tastes great. It tastes it fantastic. Does. Yeah, you don't know how dangerous it is because everything covers up that overproof white rum. So. Yes, absolutely. But uh, definitely a little goes a long way. But then for people that don't want to party like a Romulan, what do you got? We have the Noble Pursuit uh, from The Legend of Zelda, the newest one, Breath of the Wild. In that game, that essentially is made with what looks like a watermelon and lavender. So it's sort of a watermelon lavender punch that I made. Well, and this is cool because you told me ahead of time that this one can be made non-alcoholic. So you could have yes. the Romulan drink for the uh, people that want alcohol and have this one as a, as a nice uh, one for people that don't. Yes, exactly. That was my thinking. <laughs> uh, now, I haven't played the latest uh, Zelda game, but it got phenomenal reviews. And the podcast I listened to, the Video Geek podcast, just all give this game like huge reviews. Did you love it? Oh, my gosh. It was so much more than what I could have ever expected from a Zelda game. Like it's massive and there's so much to do and it's it's just a lot of fun. I still remember my brother playing the top down first Zelda ever where, you know, you got to figure out which part of the bushes is that where the hidden thing is. So you're trying to go into every single bush to see if, to see if there's actually a hidden passageway there. I don't know if you played the very beginning one, what on the Nintendo. Yeah. Way, way, way back. All right. Well, let's talk about how we make it then. So let's bring some of the Zelda awesomeness to our feast. All right. It is three cups of cubed fresh watermelon two ounces of cold water, two ounces of light rum, two ounces of gin, and four teaspoons of lavender syrup, or to taste, you don't have to use that much. And you can usually buy lavender syrup, but if you buy my books, it also tells you how to make it. Juice of one lime and one half cup of ice cubes. Boy, this is going to have a really light, springy taste to it. This is like the perfect Memorial Day drink, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I chose it. I thought this would be exactly what I want to drink on Memorial Day. Think about those ingredients. This just sounds like summer in a drink, summer in a glass. <laughs> it does have that taste. It's super refreshing, which is what it's supposed to be like in the game as well. If I want to make it, if I want to make it non-alcoholic, I just take out those two or do I replace those two alcohols with something else? So you want to omit the run and gin, and then you want to add half a cup of chopped watermelon and two ounces more of water. And that kind of just replaces it. You don't really notice. That's awesome. And then, so, all right, we got our burger, we got our drinks. 
we got to have some dessert. Yep. The last thing we're doing is the cookie cat from Steven Universe. That's awesome. You will know it as, you know, it's Steven's favorite ice cream sandwich of all time. Gotcha. And how did you first come across the Steven Universe? This is a little more geeky. This is where you get your street cred right here. <laughs> um, well, I was a fan of Adventure Time and a lot of the people that worked on Adventure Time worked on Steven Universe. So it was kind of a given that I would watch it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I have not yet, but tell me about the Cookie Cat. Okay, so uh, Cookie Cat is um, one pint of strawberry ice cream and vanilla ice cream, and you want to soften that up. And then it's one and one third cups of all purpose flour. So this is for the cookie part. One fourth cups of unsweetened cocoa powder, one teaspoon of baking powder, one eighth teaspoon of salt, one third cup of unsalted butter. And you want to soften that up as well. Three fourths cups of packed light brown sugar and one tablespoon of vanilla extract and two eggs. Wow. And how am I putting all that together? Uh, so the first thing you do is get a baking sheet that can fit into your freezer and then line it with parchment paper. And then you spoon and spread the ice cream into an even layer on the baking sheet. If you're using both strawberry and vanilla ice cream, do this in alternating lines. And then cover with plastic wrap and then you want to freeze it overnight. And this one's kind of more intense. It's, it's you got to do it before. That's what um, I was just thinking. So I'm planning this a day before. Yeah. Definitely want to get this started beforehand. Okay. And then to make the cookie... In a bowl, you set the flour, the cocoa powder, the baking powder, and salt, and then you set it aside. In a separate large bowl, use a mixer to cream together the butter and brown sugar for about one minute or until it's completely mixed. And then turn the mixer to medium-low and add the vanilla extract and the eggs, and then beat until the eggs and extract are incorporated, and that's about a minute. Add the dry ingredients to the wet ingredients. Mix on medium-low for about one minute. Everything should be totally incorporated at this point, um, and the dough should be sort of soft and a little bit sticky. And then you lightly dust a flour surface with uh, flour, I'm sorry, a work surface with flour, and place the dough on it. Uh, work the dough into a one half inch thick flat circle, and then wrap the dough in plastic wrap and refrigerate it for at least one hour until it's firm enough to roll out. Once that's done, you can just sort of shape it into like little cat shapes. Uh, you can kind of do this yourself with like um, a regular large cookie cutter, like a circular one. And then you can sort of just with a knife, draw out the ears on top. And then you can carefully transfer uh, the cookies into a parchment lined baking sheet. Usually you're going to be making about 10 of those, I believe. Which I would devour in like the first 10 minutes after these are finished. <laughs> You have to resist that temptation and move forward. <laughs> so it. carefully transfer the cookies into the parchment line baking sheet. I see carefully because it's really easy to sort of like let them droop and they might break at that point. Yep. So then you can gather the scraps and you can sort of keep rolling the dough and make as many cookies as you need. It's going to be like 10 to 16 total, uh, depending on how many cookies you want to make, essentially. So place the cookies in the refrigerator for 20 to 30 minutes. Chilling them will make it so they're firmer and they'll hold their shape. And then preheat your oven to 350 while they're chilling with a baking rack placed in the center. Bake the cookies for 11 to 12 minutes. They'll still feel a little soft when they're done. That's okay because they'll harden up as they cool. Let them cool completely. You don't want them touching ice cream when they're still warm. 
Once the cookies are cool and firm, uh, get out the sheet of ice cream and use the same uh, method that you did to cut the ice cream as you did cut the cookies. And then you just basically put the cookie on a plate and then add the ice cream that's also the same shape and then add the other cookie on top. Then just chill them until you're ready to eat them. This sounds like it could be some uh, family fun for people that want to get the kids involved. Absolutely. Yeah. Your kids will have a blast making these. It'll probably be really messy, but they'll have a great time. <laughs> I think we're all used to messy now. If, 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 if we're not used to messy yet with all the coronavirus stuff, I don't know when we will be. Uh, I am super geeked because you have put all of these and many more into the Geeky Chef Cookbook, which looks awesome. By the way, I have to ask you before I get into what some of these other recipes are. Did you do the pictures too? The photographs? Yes. A couple of them were done by me and my husband, but most of them were done by a professional. His name is Bill Milne. He did a great job. Boy, he did do a great job because everything looks delicious. Those fruity oat bars, uh, fruity oaty bars uh, from Serenity uh, <laughs> look really cool. The uh, Lord of the Rings uh, Lembas looks, I could just eat that right up. Like everything is the cheese buns from the Hunger Games. It's funny because we talk about the Hunger Games I'm not sure if I want to eat that stuff or not. Like, <laughs> You would have to feel really guilty because there are people starving That's and right. have these really opulent meals. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I, I don't know, but that's so funny. You've got uh, not only not only from those, let's talk about some of the other places. You've got food from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the video game Portal, uh, The Cake is a Lie. And you actually say early on that the cake, the yellow cake really isn't a lie. It is not. No, the cake is true. <laughs> uh, the Elder Scrolls. I haven't done the Elder Scrolls online, but I played Morrowind and uh, Skyrim. I skipped yes. over the one between those that everybody Oblivion. loves. I skipped over a, Oblivion. That was probably a good call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just wasn't a, I, I don't know. I played 50 minutes of it and wasn't a fan. Uh, some Pokemon, Kingdom Hearts, Harry Potter. You've got the treacle tarts. Yeah, that's Harry Potter's favorite. I mean, it's technically a real thing in England, uh, but, you know, here in the States, it's kind of exotic. <laughs> and, and by the way, what would a geeky cookbook be if it didn't have the Big Lebowski and the X-Files in it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> got have this. And I, I, I just looked above that. My Little Pony, of course. Friendship is magic. <laughs> that's so that's so funny. You must have had a blast putting this together, Cassandra. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah. It's called the Geeky Chef Cookbook. I'm sure they can get it at your website, I would imagine. But is it also available elsewhere? Oh, yeah. Anywhere books are sold. You can if you do Amazon uh, right now, obviously, we're not going into bookstores, but you could do it at your local bookstore website. You could do it at Amazon or Barnes and Noble or just anywhere you would normally get your books. And you also those drinks come from a companion book, which is uh, the Geeky Bartender. Yes. Uh, and looking at this, you've got Futurama, you've got Star Wars, you've got Archer. Of course, I'm a big fan of Bob's Burgers. Who's not a fan of Bob's oh. Burgers? A Clockwork Orange. My daughter, my daughter just told me she watched A Clockwork Orange. And uh, that, that may have been the weirdest movie I've ever seen. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it doesn't make you hungry, but <laughs> I feel like it needed to be there. It does not. That's funny. Do you have a favorite drink from the bartender book? Oh, I mean, I think I've already done it. I really love Romulan ale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really love Shachu Romani as well from uh, Majora's Mask, one of the Zelda games. Oh, that's funny. I was just looking too. I played Monkey Island when it first came out. And of course, you've got Grog. 
Oh my gosh, Monkey Island was in my formative years. That was kind of like my geek defining game. That was my game. Um, so I had to include it. I was very adamant. They actually wanted to cut it, uh, my publishers. So no. I was like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> you can't do it. Yes. You should have had a drink from Starbuccaneers in here. <laughs> That's, oh, if you have a suggestion, let me know. Cause I'll put it on the site. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. <laughs> Speaking of the site, you always have new stuff coming out. What's happening at the geeky chef. Um, I'm working on a witcher recipe right now. Hopefully I'll be done with this soon. It was supposed to be a long time ago, but things got in the way. <laughs> so <laughs> that should be coming pretty soon. That is awesome. And we'll link to both the cookbook, the bartender's guide and the website on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Well, thanks for helping us make Memorial Day a bunch more fun, Cassandra. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey, dog loving trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, you know, and I've been totally agonizing over this decision about rescuing a dog. Quarantining has made the lamest place on earth even lamer, like that's possible. And boy, a dog would really spice this place up, you know? So I, I looked at the dog pictures on the rescue website, and I just, I couldn't decide. Uh, they all look so friendly, and they all need my help. So I said to myself, you know, here's what I said. I, I says to myself, you know what? Screw it. I, I'm just going to do it. I'm, I'm just going to go right ahead and adopt them all. I mean, like, all of it. Because it is National Rescue Dog Day, after all, isn't it? So I called up the place, and I said, Bring them all over to me right now, right here, right now. So, uh, all right, dogs, all 13 of you are on your way over to spend a great life with the amazing Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. We're going to have the bestest time ever. Hey, you got nothing on me, Sarah McLaughlin. I mean, maybe they're going to ask me to make some commercials someday. I, I can just hear it now. It's, I will remember you. Oh, that guy's got a great voice. Wow, I hope he sings some more. All right, the dog people should be outside uh, uh, just right about now with my new friends. But while I'm greeting the van, you should think through today's trivia. The question is, what is the most popular dog breed in the U.S.? I'll be back faster than you can woof. Labradoodle. I, if it's Labradoodle, I will be just so excited. I, I, I see him everywhere. It's about time for the Labradoodle to finally finally get its rightful place at the head of the pack. I want to know who thought up a Labradoodle. Like, this would be a good idea. You you seriously think it wasn't Doug? I mean, Doug's upstairs right now getting a bunch of dogs and bringing them to the basement. So, you know what we're going to need? We're going to need some dog trainers. You know where we go for online help, OG? We head to Fiverr. That's where we go. Finding any type of freelance talent for your project or for your business can be difficult. Sometimes you got to quickly pivot. Like I think we're going to have to now in the next uh, probably two minutes is important to meet your goal, or maybe an unexpected obstacle occurs, making it impossible to meet your deadline with the size of your current team. So where do you go to find that on-demand right now talent? How much will it cost? How can you be certain they'll deliver? Finding the right freelancer can be time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive. Fiverr's platform helps keep businesses moving with a network of trusted freelance talent. We use them for voice work all the time, but it's not just that. You can use them for graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing. There's so many different things that you can have. In fact, it's funny. I was working with a friend of ours, Bo Henderson, on his podcast, 
And uh, he's like, where am I going to find these people to help me get this stuff together? I said, man, guess what? Fiverr. It's where we always go. You'll find what you're looking for instantly. You can search by service, by deadline, by price, reviews, and more. He was specifically looking for one type of voiceover person. We found them in, seriously, in 30 seconds. You'll know exactly what you're paying up front. There's no negotiating needed, 24-7 customer support, quality talent you can count on. We were able to hear this guy. It was a voice actor. We were able to hear what he did. And if they write, they'll show samples of their work. They can tell you what type of projects they've done before. You'll know the whole lay of the land at Fiverr before you hire anybody. And you can look at ratings, buyer feedback, select the right freelancer based on your budget. I have to say, I can't think of a time with Fiverr where I've been disappointed in the end product. And it's purely the way that I'm able to sort and find the right person that makes it so simple and makes me so sure that the job's going to get done well. So check out Fiverr.com today and receive 10% off your first order by using the stacker code SB. It's super easy. You can find all the digital services you need all in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Code SB. Again, Fiverr.com, code SB. Hey there, trivia fans. It's your favorite animal rescuer, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And I might have overdone it, adopting 13 dogs. Whoa, whoa, hey, Spot, get off the table, man. Come on. Whoa, Rex. Rex, not on the board games. Come on, man. Oh, whoa, that was Joe's favorite. And whoa, Roscoe, don't. Don't. Do do not. Roscoe, don't. Not on Joe's computer. Rusty and Scooter. Rusty and Scooter. No, get off of there. That's your brother, Brody. Don't do that. Uh, all right, well, yeah, and all the other dogs are chasing Cooper the cat around. That part's actually pretty cool, actually. Oh, man, Joe's mom's totally going to kill me. After all those snakes got out of the cage during National Snake Appreciation Day, I am totally screwed with that lady. While I figure out a way out of this pickle, here's today's trivia answer. The question was this. What's the most popular dog breed in the U.S.? If you guessed the French Bulldog, while very trendy with all the Gen Z's and their beards and man buns and tattoos, and you successfully guessed the fourth most popular breed in America. Oh, oh, but what about the German Shepherd, you say? That's probably the winner, right? Yeah, no, that would be number two. Dose, I tell you, but if you guessed the Labradorian Retriever, give yourself a doggy treat. Cleans your teeth right up. Now, I better go retrieve some dogs before I get shepherded to the pound myself by Joe's mom. See ya! Stop. Get, get down. What the? No. Don't lick there. What? How can that be everything the dude touches? What's that line for the movie Wall Street? If Doug owned a funeral parlor, nobody'd die. <laughs> it just. Yeah. Oh. Tends to go a little overboard from time to time. Well, and there's nothing wrong with rescuing dogs. I think it's fantastic. I think what, what I mean, but all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, uh, by the way, something that I know it, what he's going to say, he's going to say, Oh, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So we just do one dog at a time. And I did 400. 
Well, and I got to tell you, I didn't know where this was going to go, but I did know from the, and you knew too, that this was going to be National Dog Rescue Day and Doug was all excited that we were going to do something fun. But um, even though that was a little too far, I, I have to tell you, I got this cool email right at the, and, and this is going to sound like we planned it and I am dead serious. We did not plan it. It's the first OG you're hearing about this, but I got this uh, cool email from Trevor who listens to the show, who's with the ASPCA. How about that? Isn't that cool? And he asked me, he said, uh, and I even told him, I said, I said, what great timing. Of course, now he's going to hear the show and he's going to turn us into the, uh, is there like dog protective services? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I hope not either. Cause this may end poorly and I hope not. But, uh, anyway, for those people that don't know what the ASPCA is, that is, uh, organization helping protecting animals. Uh, you can donate to ASPCA.org. But the reason he reached out to me, OG, is you know, and I want to talk about this for a second, that there's sometimes financial advisors that uh, have clients that are wondering about charities to be involved in, charitable organizations to be involved in. Here is another very worthy cause. And I found, by the way, when I was a financial planner and I started looking for a charity to get involved in and because I'd have clients ask me, they're like, you know, some good organizations. And I thought, I don't know. Like, I seriously don't. I felt bad that I didn't have any real strong feelings about anything. But you know what I did? I went out and I got involved at that time with the Arthritis Foundation, another fantastic organization. And it was through the process of actually getting my quote, hands dirty by getting involved and going to meetings and helping them put on events and stuff that I then got passionate about it. So anyway, Trevor had just written me right after we knew that this day was coming. And I said, well, it's amazing. And I'd love to talk about you on the show, but if somebody's a financial advisor out there and wants to talk about uh, worthwhile charitable causes with him, uh, shoot me an email. At first I was going to just give Trevor's name and, and uh, email on the show. And uh, I don't think I'm going to do you that. You get bombarded with seven emails <laughs> right. from from our listeners. Right. Both listeners like Basically, it. you don't want him to know how few people listen to the show <laughs> or you. <laughs> shoot, shoot me an email if you're a financial advisor and uh, and I will get you hooked up with Trevor, who uh, you can help some people find a great organization and and he can help people, too. So. All right. Cool. Yeah. People have one people. It is great. Hey, let's uh, throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG, and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. I'm going to say uh, at this present moment, no offense to y'all, but uh, this is kind of what's between me and a leisurely three or four or five-ish days soaking up some rays in the sun. Right now, I value the expediency at which our podcast runs the last 10 minutes. He's going to answer this question very quickly, folks. I can tell. Correct. It's your loved ones and your time and you want to spend time with your loved ones. That's what you're trying to say. And also myself. It's exactly so. what you're saying. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple is for that reason, OG. You don't want to spend a lot of time in the application. You want an instant coverage decision. You want affordable prices. You want a policy that's issued with a parent company, Mass Mutual. It's more than 160 years old. You don't want to wait several weeks for a decision. You know where you go. You head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now. Bam. And you'll get that free quote. You're underway. And you're celebrating Memorial Day weekend. Earlier. Earlier. And with family and having a great time. Stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Today, we're going to throw out the Haven Lifeline to Georgie. 
Hey, hey, how's it going? I'm Georgie from Los Angeles. Uh, I haven't really listened to Stacking Benjamins. I'm from Money Tree Investing Podcast. I listened to that from 2014, heard like the first 120 episodes while I was driving in my car. But uh, I just remembered, I, I don't know if it was you, Joe, who said it, but by the way, huge fan and uh, one of my earliest influences on getting into investing. Anyways, I remember you were talking about gold, and I think it was your quote that gold is six times more volatile than the market. I was trying to find like sources for that, and I couldn't find the original episode because uh, I'm being called out in YouTube comments, and I couldn't find that original source to like defend that statement. Any help uh, or insights, or if you expanded that since then, or maybe gold isn't as volatile as it was back then, but uh, yeah, let me know anytime, and uh, thanks for everything that you do. Ultimately, the question is, is gold six times more volatile than the market, and what sources can back that up? Thanks. And I did try Google. I did try Google, and it was a labyrinth. <laughs> Always try Google first. <laughs> Georgie calls the wrong number. Let's get this straight. He calls the wrong number. Hey, I don't listen to the show, and I want to ask you a question. I don't listen anyway. to you guys, but um, <laughs> might I borrow some of your time? And, Absolutely. Uh, the good that old days. Like good old days. Fantastic when, use yeah. of my time and yours. Since you're not going to hear the answer, um, <laughs> I guess it doesn't freaking matter much what I say or you say, Joe, because um, he'll never know one way or the other, I think. The old days when I was on the Money Tree Investing podcast, and that whole cast is different people today than it was then. I think only my friend Miranda is over there, but uh, Linda is gone and Doug is gone whole different group of people. But I will uh, tell you this, Georgie, I got that directly from, and by the way, it wasn't six times more volatile. And that volatility is just the up and down on a daily basis. So you can expect a swing that is much, much bigger. That comes directly from a very respected person in the industry. His name's Walter Updegrave. It came at the time from a piece that he was in in Newsweek. I went back right now and looked for that, and I think that the link is long, long, long covered up. But what I did find, though, and I found this on, I don't use Google. I've said this before, and go ahead and make fun of me, but I use Bing. I don't use Bing because my kid works for Microsoft. I use Bing because of the fact that uh, they actually pay you to search, and I have to search all day long. So I end up making, I don't know, 15 or 20 bucks in Amazon free credit uh, for stuff that I use around the holidays just for search. But when I did a search, I found all kinds of things, Georgie, that shows you, it doesn't give you the exact number that I use or that, which is directly from, uh, Walter, but it does give you all kinds of evidence. And in fact, if you go to what George talked about today, ticker symbol GLD, and you take a look at the volatility swings of that versus the S and P 500, go to morningstar.com. You'll also see a lot more volatility with that gold index. So anybody that tells you that gold isn't volatile, uh, which I think, oh, gee, that's like the slam dunk. It's the it's that easy volleyball setup, you know, you're looking for bump set spike. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. But it's all over the Internet. It is all over the Internet. I go to Morningstar.com, compare GLD with, uh, you know, SPY, IVV, any of those. Heck, VTSAX. Just <laughs> go compare any of those regular stock market indexes, uh, whether it be total stock market, S&P 500, Dow Jones, any of them versus GLD. And, uh, and, and you're going to see what I'm talking about. 
So the problem, the biggest problem with gold and George referenced this is when it goes, it goes. And when it doesn't, it doesn't. And predicting when gold's going to take off is also a conundrum. So even without the eight times more volatile, plenty of other evidence around gold's volatility. We talked a lot about gold today, OG. It's shiny. Are you looking stuff up or just surfing the internet? Uh, I'm I'm trying to provide you some cover on your answer, and I can't. <laughs> now, I do understand, Georgie, if they're looking at long-term volatility. I, Walter wasn't talking about long-term volatility. Over the long term, the standard deviation of gold versus the stock market, not a heck of a lot more volatile. In fact, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Standard deviation of 21.44 for the gold category versus 17.18 for the S&P 500. So more volatile. But Walter wasn't talking about that, OG. Walter was talking about picking a day and then what that's going to do between today and tomorrow. So even though over a 10-year time frame, gold might look like there's not a lot of up and well, down. And to be fair, five percentage points is a heck of a lot different. That's true. It isn't. I mean, that, it because isn't, that's one standard deviation. Sure. You got to go two or three. Now you're talking about a, a much wider spread. But yeah, on a daily basis, it's it's even more crazy. Yeah, you still don't get to the eight times that Walter was talking about. Walter's talking about on a single day, what are you going to see from gold? And that's that's specifically where I got it. Maybe we can debate eight times. I just got it directly from Walter. Very smart dude. Loved following him back in the day. I haven't seen Walter lately. Hope he's doing okay. Well, um, for somebody who doesn't listen to the show, I'm putting about as much effort into the answer as he puts into listening to our show. So I looked at some daily and monthly price volatility of individual stocks and compared the S&P, for example, which has a price volatility of three compared it to a stock that is a precious metal stock and it was 21 yeah over that same period of time so that's you know the idea of volatility is hard for people to use that word and kind of consider what it means i would think the word variability sounds better you know like what's the range of ups good point. and downs good point and the 500 most capitalized companies in the world the s&p let's say is going to have a tighter range of variability even including, you know, the last six or eight weeks where the market's gone down a whole bunch and up a whole bunch and stuff like that. Yeah, those individual days were a little crazy, but, you know, you start averaging them out over the course of, you know, annual returns or monthly returns and stuff like that. And it's not as bad. But then when you start getting to specific, and this is kind of sort of true, as you get into even specific sectors more and more, you're going to have wider and wider ranges of variability, you know. The S&P does this, but banking stocks do that. The S&P does this, but tech stocks do that. So you're going to have a little bit more range. And I think what what you're saying and maybe a broader brushstroke is that of all of the different areas of investing, the precious metals section, gold and whatever, is going to have the highest range of variability. It's going to jump around the most. And like you said, if that jumps up a whole bunch in a row, that looks really good. Like we're seeing right now, like, oh, gold's up 30%. It's awesome. But it can also do the other thing for an extended period of time also and go down 30% really fast in a hurry. You know, like we saw with oil just a couple of weeks ago. So anyways, that's all I'm going to say about that. 
George is never going to hear this, but thanks. He won't. Thanks for the, thanks for the question. Uh, I love answering questions from, but you know what? I wanted to take Georgie's call today because uh, we, you know, we don't talk about gold a lot. So between Georgie and George, I think we got our gold fill for the next uh, six months or longer. Would you like to ask us a question? Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail to do that. Also, big thanks to everybody who's left us a review of this here show. Mom loves putting those on the fridge. So thanks to everyone who's done that. Also, if you're somebody who has more questions, not just one question, but man, you need better help in your corner. OG and his team of advisors are taking clients. So head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG to see how their team maybe can interface with your team to make sure that as we're recovering OG, as we're coming out, as we're opening up the economy, that you're ready to go full steam ahead. All right. That's going to do it for today. You got it from here, Doug. Oh boy. Please, please, let's get the dogs out of the basement and tell us what should we have learned today. So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. While the FSA is a great place to take money from for your short-term health expenses, be more protective of HSA money. Those funds might be a lifesaver later down the road. Second, take a lesson from Cassandra Reader. You can spruce up any get-together by having a fun story and presentation for your food. But the big takeaway... When Joe's mom threatens to take you to the pound, you gotta act quickly. Luckily, everyone in the neighborhood and at the Sizzler loves me, and I was able to find permanent homes for all the dogs. Take that, Sarah McLaughlin. Who found the dog's homes? Doug, 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 Doug. Who found the dog's homes? Doug, 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 Doug. Oh, wow, he can rap, too. What can't this guy sing? He's a master entertainer. Big thanks to Cassandra Reader for joining us today. You'll find Cassandra at geekychef.com and you'll find a link to her book, The Geeky Chef Cookbook, on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Big thanks also to George Milling Stanley from State Street for stopping by and talking gold. Turns out, there's gold in those portfolios. Visit SSGA.com for more on using gold and other investments in your portfolio. This show is created by Joe Saul Seahigh, produced by Taylor Stevens, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Hey, want to help out some pets like I did? A great place to start is with the ASPCA. Visit ASPCA.org for more.
when I was younger and I was, I don't know if I was dating my wife or if we were married already, but my wife's family has a cottage in Michigan that we visit and used to visit quite frequently when we lived in Michigan. And now we just spend a few weeks there in the summer. I was a big fan of fireworks. Still am, as a matter of fact. So I'd stopped in, I don't remember where, Indiana or something, and and picked up just a boatload of fireworks when, you know, they were kind of on the illegal side. And here we are launching fireworks into the lake, you know, these big giant things. And Lissa's dad and grandfather get the bright idea that it's time to teach OG a little lesson. So it's me and my brother-in-law slash future brother-in-law, I don't know, depending on where they were in their relationship at the time. And uh, so we're just we're out there just having a heck of a time drinking beer and launching fireworks. I mean, just what a fun way to spend a summer evening. And my wife's uh, grandfather had a uh, a flashing police light. <laughs> and there was quite a distance from the lake to the garage. You couldn't see it. And so he, you know, he just plugged it in the garage and just opened the garage door. So you just saw this blue light every so often. And it scared the bejeebus out of me because we got this whole big bag of fireworks, you know, just this huge thing. And my brother-in-law and I are looking at each other going, you hold it. No, you hold it. No, I'm not going to hold it. You hold it. (laughs) So (laughs) how are we going to get in trouble? Um, Who's getting in trouble? What's, what's going to happen? And then here comes my wife's father and grandfather chuckling from the garage. (laughs) Oh, we got you. We got you. You know? Uh, but that would be good. I could, uh, it seems like a good comeback. You know, if I could wrestle up a few people, dress up like cops, say, Hey, remember knock when on the door, knock on the door and say, Hey, we understand you've been harboring some quarantiners, I people to, that should be, I need to see some ID. So did you register when you came into the state? Uh, sir, I noticed that, uh, uh, you have a, you have a car parked in your driveway that has a Michigan plate. Um, I didn't, I looked on the notes and I didn't really see any registration done, uh, with the state and with the County health administration. I think you could even sell that better if you have your father-in-law come in the room, but they take you away for harboring him. Like, cause then you can go all the way out of the house in cuffs. I like it. They can, they can read you your rights and your father-in-law could, it'd be interesting to see how he responds if he's like, yeah, sucks to be you, dude. Finally, I got my, (laughs) finally, I got my daughter away from you. This is easier than I thought it would be. (laughs) Honey, mission accomplished. My wife and kids are throwing a party. Wait a second. (laughs) Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. These are Fiverr actors. Come on. Yeah. I don't even know if Fiverr has come to your house actors. I don't think so. Method actors? Probably not. Probably not. No. But I bet you I could get some. Sure. There's a whole bunch of people that are, that are twiddling their thumbs right now going, I'll be a cop. Let's do it, man. Yeah. All these uh, local commercial artists out there, you know, waiting for the next job that's not coming. Mm -hmm. If you do it and you didn't do the other thing that we talked about with Mrs. OG, remember how you were going to use some specific language? You didn't do that either. Yeah. I'm all talk. Come on, man. Step up. Let's get this going. (laughs) You step up. You know, like how much challenging that would be. And I was thinking about it. I mean, just thinking about it, like, I can't tell my kids because they'll blow it. You know, they're just terrible at surprises. My middle kid couldn't, he can't lie to save his ass. Like if he had anything to do that would, you know, he would just be giggling the whole time. Isn't that great to know though? I love the oh, fact yeah. that my kids aren't liars. And when they try to lie, you're like, oh my, oh my, <laughs> my, my, my. 
you need practice. This is how you do it. There was only one time. There actually was one time where my son lied and I didn't catch it, didn't know. He was in student government. This is like fifth grade student council. And the woman who was in charge of it was known as being just a complete hard ass. Nick came home really upset one day and said he got kicked out of student government because he was accused of writing on a desk. And she caught him writing on a desk and he's like, I wasn't writing on the desk, dad. And uh, so I talked to the teacher and the teacher said, no, he was writing on the desk. He was kids. Are, I said, how do you know? Did you, did you see him? D you know, and I don't want to be one of these parents that is like, no, 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 no. You know, right. prove it in a court of law. I'm generally on the teacher's side, but in this case, I hadn't seen my son that upset. So I said, uh, I said, did you see him do it? And she said, no, the, the girl next to him did. And, and then I looked and there was his name written on the desk. So that doesn't really prove anything. And man, he was, he was super upset. She said, well, my decision's final. He's, he's kicked out. And so I went to Nick and I said, here's what your teacher said. And he said, dad, I didn't do it. I did not do it. I said, all right, well, here's the deal. Families stick up for each other. We go to bat for each other. And if you can look me in the eye right now and tell me that you did not do this, I will go to bat for you. I will do it because I know what student government means to you. And he looks me in the eye and he goes, dad, I didn't do it. So I go back to the teacher and I said, yeah, I'm telling you, my son didn't do this. And we really had it out. And then she came up with this whole plan about how he could stay in, but he was going to have to wash, you know, stuff off the desk. He's going to have to come in after school and do some penance. And I even said, then I said, I think that's kind of baloney because he didn't do it. He didn't do anything. She goes, well, that's the cost of him getting back in. And I said, well, let me go back and talk to Nick. And uh, so I go back and I told Nick what the price was going to be of him getting back in to student government. And I said, but, but I'll keep fighting, man. If you didn't do this, families fight for families. If you didn't do this, I will fight for you. You'll fight for me. And he goes, dad, I didn't do it. So I go to bat for him again. Anyway, I've taken him to school the next day. And out of the blue, he starts bawling. And I, and I said, what I have gotten him absolved of everything, right? Gotten it all completely erased from his record. Kid starts crying his eyes out like Nick, what's going on? Yeah. I wrote on the desk. Like, all you had to do was tell that to me ahead of time. Cause now I look like a dumbass. Mm -hmm. And so do you, you just took down your entire family, Nick. You, you took us all down. Now I'm going to go back to your teacher and I'm going to tell her that, you know what? You were right. He, and, and then he said to me, he's, he's like, no, dad, no, no, no. I mean, we just, we just got all the, we just got everything reversed. You don't need to do that. I'm like, nope, that's not what a real man does. Yeah. That would violate rule number one. If you ask any of my kids what rule number one is, they know I could get them in here right now and go, what's rule number one. And they'll say, don't make dad look like a bad parent. That's the only rule. Because he already is. So <laughs> I will not have other parents judge me. That's my family rule. It was, it was so bad. And he ended up and rightfully so kicked out of student government. Yeah. And by the and, way, and he had to wash all the desks. Yes. And he got a spanking for lying and he got his mouth washed out with soap for being a, you know, I don't know about all the child abuse stuff, but I can go with the first couple there. <laughs> Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, 
who is such a giving person, Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.